but us as nurses especially and the nurses that end up seeking advanced degrees we have this um, theory or this mindset that we have to be perfect and you, you have to get 100% and this specifically plays out into school um, and then a little bit later on you do not have to be perfect you just have to be able to um, know when you don't know something and know that it can it can usually be fixed so you being perfect doesn't really help anybody all right here we go again everybody happy tuesday that clip is from our guest of the day aisha allen speaking about a very highly requested nurse topic crna certified registered nurse anesthetist 101 Welcome back to the Nurse Tori Selfie Show. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Tori Maskin. I am a nurse, nurse practitioner, student, blogger, and now podcaster. And you guys are in for a treat today. In the nursing model, there are so many different specialties, advanced degrees, and nurse jobs to consider. And this one by far was my most requested topic, CRNA 101. Today, I brought on Aisha Allen, DNP CRNA. She is an Air Force military RN. She is also a COVID frontline care provider. And today we talk transitioning from RN to advanced practice nursing. We get into the dynamics of advanced nursing degrees. We talk strategy and thinking ahead, providing safe top shelf anesthesia practice, taking initiative, using a humble and teachable approach to practice and leading with a resilient perspective. Aisha really has a unique perspective with a science-based practice meets holistic patient care. She also owns Uvia, a blue light blocking glasses company. And if you stick around to the end, we have something really special for you. So without further ado, let's get in. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm super excited to have you on. I have so many questions for you. So let's just start at the beginning. So tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your early career days uh, and become a nurse like what was that like for you yeah so i actually didn't know that i wanted to be a nurse at first i went to school for marketing uh, mass comm yeah and um i got to a point where i was like wait a second there's some people i knew that graduated school they had issues i don't want to go through that like getting jobs and stuff and um in high school i also did athletic training for a while and I went to VCU, for those who do not know, Virginia Commonwealth. And um, they had a really good You grew nursing. up in Virginia? Uh-huh. From Virginia. Okay. Two up, two down. Yeah. <laughs> um, Love it. And I saw that they had a nursing program. And my mom had always told me, like, you should do healthcare. She works in, like, healthcare, like, um, computer mm-hmm. stuff. I don't know really what she does. Um, and so <laughs> it was over winter break, and there was, like, two days left before I uh, – before the deadline. And I was like, okay, I'll just apply. I had good grades. Um, I had like a 3.99. I was on the soccer team at VCU. So I was like, this looks good on application. Sure. Why not? So I applied, got in. And at that same time that I was applying, actually, I was like, okay, what can I do after I get this degree? Like, I'm probably going to want to go back to school, get some type of, you know, whatever. And literally, there was only two things that popped up at VCU at the time. That was nurse practitioner and nurse anesthesia. And I looked at um, both of them and I was like, hmm, 
I like surgery. I've also had multiple surgeries before. I've had two knee surgeries from soccer, and I had a really cool nurse anesthetist. I remember her. That was that was a super fun, exciting time. I went to sleep. It was fun. Oh, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> so I was like, I want to do that for people. And so I was like, okay, I'll do CRNA. So I applied and got in. So were you, how long were you a nurse prior to applying to CRNA? Yeah. You, and where did you work? What units yeah, were you yeah. in? So I, my first nursing job right out of school um, was in the vascular ICU step down. It was the first job I could get. I didn't want to waste any time. I was looking for an ICU because I knew I needed ICU for CRNA school, but I'm not about to waste time. Like just give me the, take a job, right? Um, it was night shift. I did that for six months. And at that same time, I was looking, still looking for ICU position. I wanted cardiac surgery, um, cardiovascular ICU, but I was going to take any ICU that came along. Um, luckily, I think month five doing nights where I was like, this is not safe for Aisha Yana Allen to be sleeping, or excuse me, working on my shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dangerous. <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> it happens. Um, anyways, uh, so I was like harassing, not harassing, I take that back. People take stuff literal on here, so let me yeah. let me be careful with my words. Um, I would <laughs> go. Right. And, We're giving real tea here, <laughs> right? I would go and knock. Um, right after not, night shift, I would go and find a manager. I'd be like, "Hey, are you in? Are you guys hiring?" And they'd be like, "No." I would go like every after every night shift. I go from different ICUs. I was messaging um, people, um, recruiters. LinkedIn is also a really good one, guys. You can slide in DMs on LinkedIn all day long, like so easy. Um, finally got a call back. I went up there and interviewed. My my step-down uh, manager was not very happy that I wanted to go. Like, was probably going to try and put a stop to me leaving. But my CVICU uh, manager was like, oh, yeah, I don't really. I was like, do you need a reference? He's like, no, we need you. Like, <laughs> come up. And I happened to get onto a CVICU. Um, See, and that's what I think sometimes it takes. And that's something that I've, I talk about a lot for my nurses who don't get into NICU right away. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, you're going to find a way if you're persistent, you just got to keep going, go that extra mile. You have to, that and I would not trade that experience for anything. Um, Me personally, I needed that. I needed that. To me, I graduated nursing school and I did not know what it meant to be a nurse at none of us do no i was like what did i learn you what did you go like it's amnesia right it's like this weird amnesia right Right. and so i was like okay i look back on it now i'm like that was such a good six months like well and okay so was your journey to becoming a nurse like was that hard or like was it a pretty good journey for you i say this and a lot of people agree with me i thought and think nursing school was harder than crna school i will say it till i'm blue in the face Yep. I, nursing school, I struggled. Granted, I was doing a lot of like, I was playing soccer, but still like taking the soccer out of it, like people work. Um, I was like, what the heck? What kind of questions are you asking me? How am I supposed to answer this? And I just like the mental, like people competing with you and like, yeah, it's, I, I think it's such a grind even, I mean, and I kind of talked a little bit about this, about being back in grad school. And I think it's a lot easier this time around because I just, nursing school for me was just like a nightmare. It was awful. But anyway, so, and you, you did your bachelor's the first time around, correct? I did my bachelor's. 
Okay. And then one of the questions, so I did a Dropbox and a few people asked some questions for you. So this is from Hannah Marsh 377. So she wants to know what are the specific requirements to get into CRNA school? Yeah. Okay. So I have a YouTube video. I have... um those who don't know, I have a YouTube channel dedicated to like admissions and all of that. But yeah, um, give that as a resource. What's yeah, the name? So of if it? you can search me at Aisha Allen, A I S H A, and then Allen, or by my old Instagram name, which is Aisha S R N A, but now I'm a C R N A. I like this as a resource because yeah. I think it's great. So you yeah. have a YouTube. Where I have you YouTube, the but specifically videos. My Instagram page currently um, doesn't have as much school stuff, but I have a lot of highlights saved as well. So that's Aisha, A-I-S-H-A underscore C-R-N-A. But yeah, so I break this down kind of in five steps. And first thing that you need is you have to have your BSN. You cannot get into CRNA school with with an associate. Um, So there's multiple ways to do this. You can go ahead and just get your BSN right off the bat, or you can get your associate's degree and then start working and then have your job help you get your BSN and pay for that. Um, uh, I know there's a lot of online programs that are really really fast for your BSN. And I know people who like at the same time, like you can become an ICU nurse with your associates. So that's also something that you can do. Don't feel like you have to um, wait until you have your BSN to get your ICU. Um, I recommend kind of seeing what you can do in tandem. So get your BSN. And can you be working on the ICU at the same time? So those are two things you can kind of lump together. Um, I highly recommend certifications. Um, There's some schools that say you don't need your CCRN. Um, I think at a minimum, times are changing. That's now base for everyone. Get your CCRN, your critical care registered nurse yeah that's for any i think it's icu right. uh experience including i think picu nurses that can get your ccrn mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. so nicu is different but for any of the other icus yeah and it's a big one. the point you brought up there are schools that take picu and nicu my school i went to duke university they took both of those um okay. yeah so as experience because yep. that was a question we yep. got as well yep, yep, can yep. you do it like let's say you just work as a nicu nurse yep. you can still apply yep, yep. cool yeah okay. um you want to be making sure and it's all about the experience, which I can kind of touch on a little bit. So you have to have, so your BSN, you have to work in an ICU, um, can be PICU, NICU. I even had a classmate who worked in the emergency room. However, it was Duke emergency room, which is a completely different bear. Um, so, but I would stick to ICUs. And then, like I said, the certifications, um, at least get your CCRN. That's all I, that I had. For one of my applications, I actually didn't even have my CCRN. I said I was sitting for it. So um, try to get your CCRN and then GRE, so your graduate record examination. Um, some schools are getting rid of it, but there are still a lot of schools that require you to have it. Um, I have some resources on my page and on my YouTube channel about like how I studied for that um, and but just for people now on listening here, I use the Princeton Review book. Um, to me, it was nice and quick, easy, and I did really well. It taught you like how to spot certain questions, and I didn't feel like I was being retaught everything. So, um, yeah, GRE, ICU, CCRN. Um, you want to shadow as well. Um, I was not a person that I've heard people shadowing like hundreds and hundreds of hours. That's not required. Um, I shadowed once. <laughs> and um that and you was, knew you wanted to do I it i knew i wanted to do it so yeah um i was not going to I, it's not a waste of time but you know i did that 
And then at the same time, you're, I want you to, people to start thinking about like paying for school. Um, there's loans, obviously I took out some loans. Um, but then there's also scholarships and I did the air force, which we'll probably talk about as well. Um, so those are like those main steps to, um, like starting that application process. You're also going to need recommendation letters of recommendation from your nurse manager or, and then people who can speak to your, your character and stuff like that. Um, I have something else coming out. It's called the CRNA playbook where I, walk people through each of these steps um and so and like how and who to ask for your letter of recommendation and navigating the nurse manager that doesn't want to let you go and so um i i think it's important to pick your letters of recommendation carefully like i had my soccer coach write me one and my nurse manager wrote me one i was very fortunate in that realm and then i had a surgeon write me one a cardiac surgeon write me oh that's awesome yeah yeah and that's actually a really interesting dynamic to think about you know when you're applying to these because I I wouldn't my head doesn't even go there initially but that's a really good point is like you know you need to start kind of thinking about that ahead of time and Mm -hmm. kind of developing those relationships huge yes so I kept in contact with one of my clinical instructors so I intentionally I mean she was very very nice but I intentionally made sure I kept in contact with her like hey I'm moving I'm starting this position I'm starting this ICU oh I saw this like not lying no not BSing but being like hey I saw this in the unit I remember when we did this this and this and I would just check in every every few months so that when I wrote and asked her for a recommendation it wasn't like who the f are you I haven't heard there's a couple yeah (laughs) there's a couple it's interesting that you say that because there's a couple managers that I've um, worked with throughout my career that I keep a little touchstone with as well because I think that's valuable for eventually when I go to a job application or when I if I want to travel nurse and I need a quick rec or something you know, having those point of references, that's a really great tip. Right, right, right. Can you speak to a little bit of choosing your school? That's honestly, I think it's one of the most important things, actually. Um, And it's not because it has nothing to do with like the skills, not completely with the skills that you're going to learn. But um, I strongly encourage people to visit the schools that they're interested in, because you need to understand the environment that you're going to be in. Not all schools are the same, just like not all med schools are the same. Not all nursing schools are the same. How invested is your staff and your faculty in, in your success? Are you going to be taught or are you going to be pretty much expected to learn everything on your own? I did not want the latter. I wanted to be taught. I wanted to show up every day at school and be taught by the best of the best. Uh, it was expensive, but it was worth it. Um, I was being taught by the people who wrote textbooks. And to me, that was important because I wanted to make sure that I could go and ask a question or that things were being taught at the latest level. Um, And then when you really break it down into CRNA school, you also need to know that where you're going to be going for clinical. That's also important. Are they investing in your clinical sites? Are you going to have like 20 different clinical sites or are you going to have one that you're going to be at your entire time that you're at school? Um, what's going to be included in your tuition. Some schools break it down differently. Like if you're going to an away clinical site, are you going to have to pay for that? Or are, um, or is it part of your tuition that you're getting student loans for? So in that price tag of Duke University is expensive, but all of this was included. I didn't pull out a dime except for on gas. And that's pretty much it because everything is wrapped up into that price. So what is, what are your finances? What's the school's financing office look like? You know, 
So um, there's a lot of things that people kind of, they're like, oh, this is the first school I got into. And that's great. If you're willing to deal with whatever, com- whatever comes, then do it. Um, but I was not willing to. I wanted to know what I wanted to talk to students that are there. How do you guys feel? Do you for- feel prepared when you graduated? Can you speak to a little bit of um, your scope of practice? What do you do in your day in and day out uh, as a CRNA? So where I'm at, and it's a good point, there's a lot of different practice models as far as anesthesia goes and billing. And also, it always comes down to money all the time. And so whether or not a nurse anesthetist can bill on their own or in conjunction with um, a doctor that's performing a surgery, because what you have to understand is that anesthesia, we are in the business, we're consultants. We don't come unless there's a surgery to be had. We don't just go around putting people to sleep. So when there's a surgery or <laughs> um, a procedure that needs to be done, we are contacted and then either the hospital or an anesthesiologist or a CRNA can bill for it. You, um, how it works currently is that you, anesthesia is billed in Q15 increments. So every 15 minutes, there's a chunk of money that is billed. It's expensive. It's money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Um, and so. Whether or not you can practice independently um, with the surgeon as your doctor um, or you are at a facility where you're in this ACT model um, where there, or a medically directed model where there's an anesthesiologist that oversees different rooms. So what a lot of people don't know is that most, a majority of the anesthetics in the country are given by CRNAs. So depending on the facility, an anesthesiologist has to be there on induction and on emergence of anesthesia. I'm going to be real frank with you. A lot of times that doesn't even happen. Right. But they're billing for it. Correct. And so it's a CRNA that's there from the beginning to the end in most facilities. There are, again, some facilities where it's only anesthesiologists. um, And there's a lot of uh, facilities where it's just CRNAs um, doing everything. And so I wanted to practice independently so that no matter where I went, I did not need anyone else to administer anesthesia. And that's, you know, um, sedation, that's spinal blocks, epidurals, central lines. So I wanted to go to a school that taught me all of that. And then I also wanted to practice and enter enter practice um, as a new grad CRNA doing all or being capable of doing all of those things, which is, again, another reason why I chose um, the military path. Um, yeah, so. so that's super interesting. Let's talk about that yeah. really quick because you did choose. You're in the Air Force, right. correct? Right. How did this all come to be? I think that's so cool. Like that's such an interesting part of it. During the application process, um, and I also just people get. I'll actually talk about that in a second. People ask me why I chose the Air Force, and it's just because the Air Force takes care of their people um, from top mm-hmm. to bottom. So if you guys are wondering why I chose the Army or why did you the Army need all that, it's just the Air Force is a people branch. Um, just to get that out of the way. Um, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Behind the scenes. Well, because a lot of people don't know. They don't know. know. No. Just, the facilities know. are nice. Like, there's that. a sauna in our gym. Like, uh, there's Peloton in our gym. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, okay. Oh, you got to get your Peloton on. They're building a pool here. Like, it's just, oh, it's just nice. Awesome. Um, so shout out to the Air Force. Um, but anyways, back to the question. Um, so when I started applying to CRNA school, I was like, man, how am I going to pay for this? Because I know this is expensive. The schools I want to go to are expensive. Well, not VCU. But so I applied to two schools, Duke and VCU. And I can tell you why I chose. Anyways. <laughs> um, so Air Force, um, there was this thing that's called the HPSB or Health Profession Scholarship Program. And 
it was, I was like, this is too good to be true. There's no way that you sign up. They pay for your school upfront tuition. Um, they pay for, they give you a stipend every month. They pay for your health insurance. And then all I have to do is not all quote unquote all, but then I have to owe them back active duty time. So they pay up front. And then when I'm done, I go in and do a year for year active duty repayment. So wow. I signed up, I applied. Um, application process is kind of similar to CRNA school. So I was like, I, I kind of did it at the same time. Um, so you need letters of recommendation. You have to have your resume and a personal statement. And you do on phone, phone interviews. Um, and so I did not get it the first time, actually. And um, I was kind of bummed. But I applied again anyways. Um, and then I got it the second time. And I was like, man, I don't know if I want to do this. Should I do it? Uh. So I shadowed a, a military CRNA. Most people don't do that. But I flew out on my own dime to go and visit um, a military CRNA, reached out. And I was like, oh, I like this. This is independent AF. Like, this is what I'm yeah. looking for. Yeah, and so I was I like, that. okay, yeah, sign me up. I'll do it. Let me get these last two years of school paid for because they only pay for it when you're accepted. So those are the years that they cover. So I still owe my first year. Um, I took loans out for that. So I'm, I'm able to speak to kind of both realms. My school's not completely paid for. I don't, it's not, it wasn't completely cushed, but it's way better than what I would have been owing. Um, and so after visiting, um, I was like, yeah, this is for me. I want to serve my country. I want this independent experience. I'll be a veteran when I'm done. Real talk. Anywhere I go after this, I don't want to hear the word, though. You're going to need to write me a paper as to why I didn't get hired, okay? <laughs> Duke University, Air Force veteran, like, yeah, that's huge. Downey, independent yeah, practice. that's like, a uh -huh. resume to kill. That's, right. That's and amazing. So I talk about this a lot on, um, on the CRNA playbook. Um, when I was a nursing student, everything that I did was in preparation for what I want my future, what I wanted my resume to look like when I handed it to somebody. Strategy. And I'm still doing it now. Um, Air Force, Duke University, VCU, college, like my entire, it's stacked. I'm not going to, you know, there's no BS in it. Yeah. It's just no, it's real. And I think that's actually really interesting. I mean, I went to University of Arizona. I'm proud of that. I, I have my bachelor's of science from there. You know, I... I'm doing my online program, but I still love the school that I'm going to, University of Texas. I love it. Thing is to kind of maybe point out is it's a lot of strategy, you know, um, and everyone's journey is different and you can get places very differently. Yeah. And that's also what I'm doing on my platform as far as like the CRNA playbook and mentoring is I know this area. I know as far as like um, admissions process, I have a lot of friends at admissions, a lot of friends that are program directors and friends that are instructors and I hear them talk and I know what they're looking for in, as far as students. And so I want to be able to help people use my network and see like, okay, where are you right now? How can I help you see that you're a freaking bomb candidate? Cause a lot of people get this nervousness about like, Oh, should I apply to CRNA school? I'm not smart enough. People told me, I hate when I hate that. Like people told me that makes me like want to like slam my head <laughs> to a door. Uh, same, same. I get a lot of a similar different realm, but a lot of people saying, "You can you work in the NICU right off the bat?" I was people told me that you need to work in med search or some like. Who's people? Stop letting people tell yeah. you. I'm like, who are these stop. people? Are they in the NICU? That's that's mm -hmm. my biggest thing. Thank are they you. in the NICU? Yes. Are they I'm a like, CRNA? 
Yeah. I'm like, the, what care. people told you couldn't be farther from the truth. So yes, you can do it. Like and Chris you can Brown make says, it work. How are you going to talk from outside the club when you can't even get in? Okay. Like, <laughs> don't, I don't want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> right, 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 right. I love that. Can you speak to a little bit um, about, like, okay, learning central line placement mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. things like that, like yeah. art lines? Like, let's talk about that. Like, yeah. that's so, it's so scary to me to think that, like, it actually gives me, like, I get nervous with thinking about that kind of stuff. Good. Okay. When so let's talk about it. people aren't scared, I'm scared of them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Great point, too. Like, Agreed. Why do you think yes. that you have this in the bag? Like, you're scary. <laughs> right. So yeah. how do you learn these skills? Yeah. Like, so in anesthesia school, I get that question a lot. They're like, so how do you learn? I'm like, you learn by doing. You learn by someone standing over you. Obviously, you do simulation at first. Um, there's a lot of simulation. Um, that's also a good point to, for me to bring up is look at your school simulation. Do they have a simulation center? Do they have people running your sim? Um, how are these mannequins? Are they, do you have an actual anesthesia machine in your simulation room? I didn't, I thought this was normal. I thought everyone had one. It's not. So, right. So um, definitely take a look at what your sim is going to be like, because that's the foundation of you going into an operating room. And actually practicing on people. Um, for me, in my sim, when I got, we did sim at first before we went to the operating room. The first day I was in the operating room, my preceptor and the entire operating room looked at me and they were like, oh, you guys do sim, don't you? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And so. It shows. It shows. Um, as much yeah. as I didn't like sim. But it- <laughs> well, all of us, that's a good point too. Right. Um, I don't, I mean, sim, honestly, is kind of one of the, it makes you nervous. But one of the hostels I work at, we do a yearly sim um, week where the doctors, nurses, everyone comes in and we do mock codes. We do mock, you know, or they give us situations and you have to practice on a sim baby. And it helps. Like, it's crazy. Like, we all hate it. We all you hate, hate it, it. And you don't like people looking at you, but it. Yeah. Helps. And and they record it and then you watch yourself yep. back. Yeah. <laughs> you watch yourself struggle. And you're like, oh my God. Like, do I, first of all, do I look like that? Right. I, ew. But. You know, I learned a lot about myself of like, I was just standing there and not doing anything when the doctor asked that. And you don't, you don't think that you're acting that way or doing that, or you think you're a little, but that's interesting because I do think sim is really valuable. So that's a great point. So you do sim and then you go and you do it. Um, one of the biggest and best places that I did my line placement was during my cardiac surgery rotation. And so for people who don't know, you do, uh, well, my school at least, you do general surgeries at first like a lot of coleys and like just like tumor removals the and bread bread and butter yeah bread and butter that's bread and butter when people um if people don't know what that means so you do that at first and then they start putting you into specialties so you do some ob rotations where you're doing epidurals and you're doing a lot of spinals and that's where you are specifically so you're just getting a bunch of repetition and um and then you go to maybe do cardiac surgery where you're doing the line placements and um doing a lot of radial A-lines. Um, and then this also plays into the type of hospitals that your school has as for your um, clinical sites. I was at facilities that had very, very sick patients, that, that, which meant that we were putting a lot of A-lines in. And it didn't have to be a crazy type of surgery. There was just a lot of A-lines play, being placed because we wanted to watch the blood pressure closely or we wanted to be able to draw blood gases. And so I got so many A-line placements. Like that, That's a skill and ultrasound, um, those are skills that not a lot of, not everyone comes out with, but that's my basis for uh, my education. 
So you throw an ultrasound and give me a line kit and I'm good to go. That's not, not everyone can say that, you know. So you can do, as far as central lines placement, you can do um, spinals, art lines, what else? Spinal blocks, art lines? Yeah, spinals, epidurals, art lines, um, central lines, like multi-lumen uh, catheters. I personally never placed a cordis, um, but it wouldn't, that's not like... I don't even know what that is. Oh, it's just like a, yeah, but you're NICU. Yeah. So it's just like a big, big, big line, like Ooh. big line for just volume. But Love you, it. you would not do that for NICU. <laughs> so. no, we don't do that. <laughs> we don't do that. We don't do that. We do yeah. a lot of pick lines, Broviacs. We'll do some Broviacs. So what uh, is that? What is a Broviac? Oh yeah. So it's a tunneled, it's a, it's a tunneled line that goes directly into oh, like, okay. the, top the, of the heart. Okay. It's a surgery. It has to be placed surgically. Right. 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 Uh, pick oh, lines wait. can be placed I by nurses. Seizure for that. Never mind. You may. Yeah. 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 You probably could. You, well, so typically surgeons would be the ones to put them in, I believe, or eh, I don't know if you guys can, but it's interesting because, um, our pick nurses put in our pick lines. Um, and that's, mm-hmm. We have a specialty, uh, most, most, like you have to be specialty trained to place a pick on our NICU babies. But um, yeah, I know. So what is your, as far as like charting? Cerner, yeah. So Cerner is, I think the people that are making Genesis. Epic and Cerner. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah, Epic. Cerner. Oh my God. Epic, epic. If, I, epic. if you could sponsor Everybody me, epic. like, hello. Epic's way better. <laughs> I do Cerner, I do both, but I prefer Epic. Oh, Epic in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> So during, because wait, okay, also, sorry, we're going back. What settings do you work in specifically? So we're like OR, where are you working? Like, what are your... So at my facility, we work everywhere as far as, well, especially now during COVID. Um, I'll take, I'll, I'll do COVID and pre-COVID and COVID. So pre-COVID, it was operating room. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we're defining our lives now. <laughs> right, no, seriously. So pre-COVID, right, pre-COVID. Um, we did... All like all t- different types of surgeries. A lot of people say, "Oh, is anesthesia boring?" It's not. It's not boring. That's the myth buster right there. It's not boring, Ooh. okay? <laughs> Ooh, it's not boring. No, I think it's so fascinating. I yeah. love it. So we do all types of surgeries. Um, the, I learn work at a facility that's not a teaching hospital now. Obviously, I'm in the military, um, but they are now starting. We're I think applying to have level three status in trauma at my facility soon. And um, possibly going to be doing hearts in the future, like way, way future. Um, I'm at a really cool medical center. That's why I chose it. Um, anyways, so, but we work mostly in the operating room and um, we do some GI procedures. So like endoscopes and like upper and lower, like all of that. Endo, suites, um, obviously OB. So we're on the like um, labor and delivery floor. Um, so that's pre-COVID. Post-COVID, we're everywhere in the freaking hospital. Like if there is, we're part of the airway team. And different hospitals did it, do it so differently. I'm, again, very, very fortunate to how my facility did it. Um, we were on for, we had different teams and we're on for a week and then quarantined for two weeks. So I'm technically on quarantine right now. Uh, <laughs> all this time. Right. So if we need to go to the ER and intubate, we would. Um, we're on the line team, so we were the people placing lines. Um, we were, I specifically, with my counterpart, taught non-ICU nurses, like, got them ready for ICU-type situations. Interesting. So, I mean, let's go into that really quick, because we haven't... How's COVID affected your day-to-day? I mean, you kind of talked on that, but 
How's that going? All right, it is no secret that I love life hacks. The ones that help improve my mindset, nurse practice, and help me especially during grad school. It is also no secret that I struggle with concepts in a book. I'm a very visual and auditory learner who needs engagement and to learn things in a stimulating way. That is why I am beyond excited to share this study hack with you guys and it's honestly something I wish I knew about in nursing school. I am talking about Picmonic. Picmonic is an audio visual learning platform. It was established in 2011 by two medical students to help students retain and recall large amounts of facts studied in medical school. And since then, they have expanded to all walks of healthcare, including RN, NP, PA, LVNs, and let me tell you guys, this is ridiculously efficient. It will help you memorize concepts faster, use repetition with quizzing and mnemonic tactics to help you retain concepts. So let's get micro on how I use this. So first I go through my lectures. I listen to them and grasp the big concepts. Then I go back and trace the concepts with Picmonic. I watch and listen to the topic and then perform the practice questions. Later throughout the week, I pull out my handy dandy Picmonic app so I can practice questions on the go. I'll do a few practice questions each day to help solidify concepts and to keep those concepts in my mind nice and fresh. Truly, I cannot express to you how much this program is a lifesaver for me. And if you're interested in trying out Picmonic, head down to the show notes and click the link for 20% off your subscription. If you are also on Insta following me, the link is provided in my bio. Thank you very much, Picmonic, for sponsoring this episode. And let's get back to the show. So I guess um, I first of all want to say social distancing is working here where I'm at. It's apparent because where Same. I'm at it should have if we didn't do social distancing it would have been crazy I'm at ba- I'm in Vegas so <laughs> yeah and I'm in uh, Los Angeles so I think you and I both are in heavily populated areas where I do think uh, honestly people everyone I know listened I do think it worked yeah and even if you weren't like the people staying home like not seeing sunlight let's say you did go you know walking jogging and like yeah you know, that helped so much. And so we saying all that to say that we did not get hit like the New York and the Florida and Louisiana, like where I have my, a lot of my CRNA colleagues are, thankfully. Um, but we did a lot of prep just in case. There was like two solid weeks where we were at the hospital all day long, like teaching, go, making protocols, systems, um, doing, uh, going through like simulations and stuff like that. Um, but no, it has, the only thing that has been affected is how much I'm going to work. Um, like I said, we're on for a week and we are all, we have a team and we alternate like who's on first call, second call. So there's more call, but the COVID, like I can't even complain. Like I'm healthy, happy. Our patients, we haven't had that many. Um, we're also insulated. We're on a military base. So only so many people can get on it anyways. So, um, I already knew that we would be a little bit lower than the outside of the military base, but even it, it just hasn't been as bad. You can't even compare it to what's going on across the country. Yeah. I, that's kind of how I feel as well. I mean, it's interesting because um, I was actually talking to someone about this earlier. The pediatric world, we're slow. I mean, there are 
we have had some definite, I, I'm sure there are cases and I'm sure there are, but I mean, in my direct line, I feel like it's interesting because we treat, we do have some where it's like a COVID rollout or, you know, you're presumed and, you know, you just treat it as a COVID until they're negative. But it's interesting because now people are getting called off shifts. Uh, I actually know a lot of NICU nurses who are taking travel assignments right now because we're not getting hours. Yeah, there's so, a lot of nurses where I'm at. Like surgeries, so elected surgeries are canceled. And that's a big part of it. It's like, it's affecting everybody. I mean, I mean, healthcare in general, we're also, oh, a lot of people are not working. You know, clinics are not working. And it 100%. Needed to be, it needed to be. But, um, but yeah, as far as COVID, like where we had like these rule outs on the door, like is this person a rule out? Or they green, yellow, red is what we would do. So green, they were didn't have COVID, so they were we treated them normally. Yellow has a certain filter. Red has a certain filter. Um, Interesting. After extubation, we're waiting twenty minutes in the room because that's how long the room takes to turn over the entire before we open the doors. So, um, so anesthesia, like you're, if you want to talk about front lines, that's the front line. <laughs> like your face is literally in someone's mouth. And so um, it's a nurse and an anesthesia provider in the room before you can even open the door and wheel them out. And so how um, how's PPE been for you guys? Not military based. It's like prep is the middle name, like prep is number one in military. So you have we have an entire warehouse of. It's awesome. Military, or, um... I think that's super interesting because I feel like there's such a gap here in healthcare. Of I actually feel like um, one of my hospitals was superb at getting prepared. I feel like their their supply was really great. We and then my other hospital is a very different situation, but I still feel like somewhat prepared. But there's there's this huge gap of healthcare where people like hospitals literally had no PPE. And it's just, it's so weird to me that we're in this place of like, we're in the 20th century. We're in modern day to 2020. Like, how did this even happen? Um, and how are we theories. all not prepared like that? You <laughs> I know, have my theories, but it's just, yeah. un, it's lack of preparedness. It's people, yeah. it's people getting comfortable. I say this about everything, high, um, healthcare and even as humans here on earth, we live a very comfortable life and we don't even know it we don't realize no and then here in america especially like we walk out our door we don't even have to think about a bomb dropping on our head you know like that's not even our our wheelhouse of thought it's not in our reality no that's not in our reality right and so preparing for something like this even though it was spoken about it was not on anybody's thought process of maybe we should have a stockpile of like maybe you think about it like we're in the hospital Right. Or to streamline differently. I do think what's been cool has been this. It's sparked a lot of conversation about this, about like, okay, it does need to change. Something needs to change. And, and, um, I, you know, and to be honest, frontline providers are dying, like sick and dying. That is very real, which is crazy to me. But I do think what's at least hopefully going to happen is maybe some change. And I mean, we just, nurses need to be on boards doctors need to be on boards of hospitals that's all that's what i know needs to happen after this i want to get to more what do you think a is a good quality or the top three qualities maybe that a cnrna needs to possess like what do you think are important like for someone yes um i number one will say being humble and when i say humble it's not like yeah, we know like, you don't brag. Like, your mom taught you that when you were two. 
It's about understanding that you don't know everything and being willing to admit, not even admit, well, I guess it would be an admittance if you're not a humble person, being able to admit when you don't know something, because that's the difference between someone living and someone dying in anesthesia. Um, we, everywhere really, but especially when it's split second decisions and you are required to, you've been looking, you see something trending wrong and you've tried everything. You need to call somebody. It, all it takes is another pair of eyes and another pair of hands. So you call someone. You need to let go of that ego. That's the humble that I'm talking about. You don't have to know everything. So that's that. One's two and um, being teachable and being willing to learn. Um, when you start school, you are now, you don't know anything. You know nothing about anesthesia. Even when you read a book and you made it through the first half of your semester of classes, you don't know anything. You haven't touched a patient. Your patients don't read the book. They don't read the textbook. They don't show up like that. Yeah. <laughs> they show yeah, up how totally. they want to. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so. Yeah. And nothing can prepare you for that. Same thing with NICU. Same thing. You can read as much as you want, but really the experience is, is when you're doing it. So letting your um, preceptor teach you not uh, and being open and willing to understand or listen to what the heck they're even saying and notice knowing that okay maybe i don't like how they did this i'm not going to put this in my toolbox and oh maybe i can take this and put this in my toolbox um so it's discerning you need you can learn from everybody you can learn what you want to do and learn what you don't want to do so that's definitely being teachable and then the last one is i've said this a lot is dropping perfection i don't know what what term that is, or quality or skill. But us as nurses, especially, and the nurses that end up seeking advanced degrees, we have this um, theory or this mindset that we have to be perfect. And you, you have to get 100%. And this specifically plays out into school. Um, and then a little bit later on, you do not have to be perfect. You just have to be able to um, know when you don't know something and know that it can't, it can usually be fixed. So you being perfect doesn't really help anybody. Um, it's, it's talking about, yeah. Um, doctor, I just had on Dr. Yu, he's a surgeon. And one of the things he spoke about um, in our last episode was the exact same thing where um, it's almost like if you're striving for perfection and you don't hit perfection, you're going to be derailed. And it's just going to throw you. And I agree with that. I think that there, I think it's like this balance of like, you're hustling, you're doing your best, you're putting in the grinding, but then you need to be realistic about certain things. Yep. Oh my God. So huge. Especially you know? in school. There's a lot of classmates of mine that sought perfection till the very end. And they were stress balls. Like, of course you want to do the best you can, but I'm not losing sweat over that 89. Like I'm still here, you know? So um, there's that. And then there's one more thing that I had for people. Oh, it's um, resilience. Uh, you, you have to be resilient um, because you're going to see some things. Even now, the guys, okay, resilient as a student, you're going to go to clinical one day and you're going to get ripped to shreds for doing the same thing that your preceptor told you to do the day before. Everyone, <laughs> <laughs> Realty. 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 And you need to, again, it's being realistic. That person, you can do anesthesia. It's an art. You can do it so many different ways. Some people think that their way is the best thing since sliced bread, where you would, someone would be like, that's dumb. Like, literally, why would you do that? 
And it's just being, you need to focus on the patient and be resilient. Show up the next day, you just keep on showing up, and it's a new day. Um, And then as a CRNA, you're going to have days where you're like, I don't know what the heck that was. Man, I couldn't get that tube in to save my life. Or Mm -hmm. um, that patient was difficult. I don't know what happened. And it's just, again, you have to show up and realize that, like, you're a human. This is medicine. Yeah. Again, your patients don't read the book and you move on. Right. Just be safe. <laughs> what What is, okay, let's do favorite part, uh, least favorite part of the role. What are your favorite? So my favorite part of being a CRNA is being able to focus on one patient from start to be, start to finish, meeting them, interviewing them. I'm a, like kind of humorous person. So I like kind of like like making people a little bit lighter and less scared about what they're doing. Cause you have like five minutes on a pre-op interview, um, depending on, you know, their workup or whatever, but having that patient from start to finishing, willing them in the operating room, delivering a safe, but like, I call it top shelf anesthesia, like the best drugs, like making sure they're synergistic and like the patient wakes up and when they look at you, like, how are you feeling? And they just like, bad nine and like doze back off like that's just my favorite part of it just just <laughs> and when I deliver a pack uh, to pack you a patient that's just like <sighs> like I love that and um, that's one of my favorites um or and then that kind of plays into like the moms like epidurals it's just my favorite I love being able to just oh, completely yeah. take away pain you're literally giving someone immediate, immediate. relief so selfish like, People are like oh my god you guys are such heroes no it's selfish so I love that's my favorite part. Just I guess it's the helping people, like but making like a, an immediate like impact yeah. that no one else really could do. Totally, because no one else can do that. So the worst mm, thing that I really don't care for is the political BS. Like I don't. Oh, that's gonna lead into my other question. Yeah, I'm so uh, over it. Uh, like I just like this doctor, this you're a nurse you're encroaching on our da 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 how dare you call yourself a doctor like that crap has no business so, in patient care i actually the question i wanted to tie into that so is there anything different about the crna culture like how you have you know working with your mds and nps i think this is a really big hot topic so let's go there because i do think there's a big um there's a animosity I, let's just put it that way but NPs and PAs and advanced nurse practitioner, advanced nursing roles. There's a lot of animosity out there. Like, let's touch on that a little bit. What do you think? So I'm going to really, really break it down and people may get mad about this, but I'm going to speak my truth and speak my piece. So I truly think, and I'm like a chakra, like woo woo, loving, singing, singing bowls type person. I know it doesn't really fit, but, um, tree hugger. We very much vibe on that together. But anyway, (laughs) yeah, so I truly believe that doctors work very, very hard for their degree. No one will ever, if you say they don't, then you're a hater. (laughs) Like, we, you're a hater. Like, they work their asses off to get the degree for years. I don't want that. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to lie. No, I don't want to do that. I didn't, I did not want to do that. Like, there was a time where I considered it and I was like, no, like, I want, Nursing is personal, and like I, when I was deciding between nursing, I was also considering med school because VCU has a really good medical program. Um, and there was doctors that I talked to, where I and I would po- I posed this question. I have friends that were, my family friends that were doctors, and they were like, 
no, you should do CRNA. And like, I'm like, why? And it was quality of life. And I value quality of life over anything. And for me, that, that's different for different people. For me, quality of life is I don't want to spend my half my life in school. That was not an option for me. Um, and at a certain point in time where I knew I wanted to be a nurse anesthetist, I did not want to go to med school and then have to do resident. Like that was just not something for me. So again, I commend doctors for doing that. Like you have made a sacrifice for your family, for medicine, for the betterment of the world. Um, but there's a certain ego that is tied into that when people, when doctors do all of that. And it, it comes out in various forms. It comes out in the, the resident that talks down to a nurse or the surgeon that talks down to people and that's just how they are or the doctor that refuses to talk to anyone else but a doctor like that is ego driven when you think that you're so far above other people that um because of your job I don't I don't that doesn't sit well with me that doesn't vibe well with me and so when you tie in like okay I got a doctorate degree and you see other people being called doctor and that infuriates you, I think there needs to be some type of inner work looked at. Like, why are you so infuriated that someone else is being called doctor? I also, like you, I value my time off away. I don't want the doctor role, but I want to work as a practitioner, helping people in a different way, being able to. So it's interesting because we're in this like weird swing of a lot of nurses are doing like what you did. And becoming advanced practitioners and you've put your time in at the bedside. I mean, you've worked. I've worked at the bedside. In healthcare. You've been there. You've done, you've worked in ICU, you've worked in intensive care and you're taking I've the next step an to IV advance. before you ever thought about placing an ID. You know, it's just right. like, we're going to call it what it is. Right. And I do think it's interesting because it's a really heated topic right now nationwide because a lot of states are trying to push through um, the nurse practitioner and specifically and yeah. CRNAs to work independently. And there's a lot of mixed feelings on it. And I get the mixed feelings. I'm here for that because I think, you know, there's it, a certain it's a disruption. level. It's a disruption it is, in what we've a, been doing. It's a big it. disruption. Um, you know, I, I do think there's a certain amount of like, we didn't go to med school. So maybe like we needed to find certain things, but at the same time, like rather than getting mad and infuriated at people, like let's find solutions for it. People, how do we like, work together? Because we are yes. here. How do we meld yeah. and collaborate? It's how, like I don't understand the animosity. Just well, I think it's just because I don't come up from a place of that. Like, like if people, are like, I just how don't do have feel? energy for it. I don't have energy for it. And they're like, wouldn't you be mad if a if a CNA called themselves a nurse? No, you want to know why? I don't. I don't care. Like that's well. I also can think that comes down to people carry little, like, you need to get busy if you really care about that that Thank much. You. But Thank you. That's what I'm busy. saying. Like, how much, what, what are you actually caring about? Are you caring yeah. about the patients or are you just caring about your pride and ego? Right. Um, and I do think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, I do want to say, though, I have, I work with, um, like, I don't have, I don't deal with that at my job at all. Yeah. Like, I agree. My doc, like, the doctors that I work with, when they told me, one of them was like, well, you're an equal provider one day. I literally like broke my neck. I was like, are you saying that to me? Because you just don't hear that. Um, I get a lot of, I agree. Yeah. I think in my realm, majority of the people that I work with, I would say I've worked two places. It's a little different, but I do think majority of um, the physicians I work with immediately are so amazing. Respect, yeah. like, They're like, They come you. to us. Yes, we'll teach you. Um, I have worked with some surgeons that are 
very condescending as well or there there's always going to be that but I do think um yeah I feel very lucky I feel lucky to have and that's a, a testament to a lot of the upcoming doctors that are coming out in a lot of the medical field in general I do feel like we're really collaborating a lot lately like I feel like it's been if anything that this pandemic has done well that whole reddit well anyways that whole reddit thing like it's just like I want I want people to know that I do not want to be a doctor like that whole like you want to be a doctor you're pretending you want to be someone literally wrote in my message in my inbox you're a doctor wannabe like no I consciously decided that I didn't want to be a doctor and I like this nursing like you said this nursing model works for me I want to do what I have been trained to do nothing more nothing less I have been trained to do central lines I have been trained to do epidurals I've been trained to do all those things that is the only thing that I want to do nothing more yeah. So Correct. you can keep everything else that you were taught in medical school. Again, congratulations. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, that's, I would agree. And I think that's also, I think it's an interesting point too, maybe for upcoming nurses is I think becoming a nurse first is like so, and getting your foundation for a couple of years is so important because when you're picking an advanced practitioner role, you're really niching down. You're picking something, you're, you're going from being a general nurse where you have the you can work anywhere in any setting and then you're as a practitioner technically a practitioner is an expert in whatever you are and whether it's an, an advanced degree crna is an advanced degree or a nurse practitioner role you're picking a very specific role so as you said like we're picking that area that is what we want to specialize and that's what in. we want yeah that's what we want to do we have yes. chosen. <laughs> so you've always been balancing quite a bit and you are dabbling in being an entrepreneur right now. I want to talk about this. Yeah. Let's talk about your company yes. and let's talk about it. Yeah. I'm really sitting amongst a pile of it. Um, my company, <laughs> one of the, so my first company actually that I started while I was in CRNA school is actually a mini, like a mini media agency. If you guys um, remember, I went to school for marketing. Um, I ended up, I didn't, I didn't want to waste my classes. So I ended up getting a minor in mass comm and a minor in psychology. So I loved advertising. I thought I was going to be an advertiser for one bit. Um, and so I was like, well, I started social media. I started YouTube. Um, and I didn't know you can make money off of YouTube, like for real, for real. Um, I'm not making that much money off of it, to be honest. But I wanted to document this journey. And so me just being myself and being real, people are like, oh, someone's documenting this. I've been interested in this. Let me follow her. And I started Instagram. And I, again, was just being myself. And then I started looking at other companies and being like, hmm, you're trying too hard. You're trying to sell people things. And that's not going to really resonate. So I started reaching out to brands and like, hey, do you have someone doing your social media? This is like, Year, like a few years ago, no one really had people doing their social media to, you know, paying them. And so I was like, I'll do this for a little job. And so I was doing that. I was posting and writing the copy for pay for certain companies. And so that's how I started making my initial amount of money. Um, very, very small. So YouTube and then social media for other people. And then I started, I was, had this idea to start Udia, um, which is my blue light glasses company for healthcare providers. I learned everything I needed to know on YouTube University. Like, <laughs> YouTube is literally, uh, it's amazing. 
Oh, Shout out I to you. I need to invest. How, am I not invested in you yet? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned how to purchase and package and to ship and set up set up my Shopify account. Um, and I did all this while I was in CRNA school. So I want to really, again, talk about people who say CRNA school is the hardest thing you've ever done. I had time to start multiple businesses and travel and like live my life and do well in CRNA school at a top institution. Yeah. Um, I love, yeah, I'm here for that. Yeah. Ignore, <laughs> so how, yeah. ignore the BS. Like people tell you you can't do something like F that. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> so yeah. So I started Uvia July, 2019 and all online doing my own social media. Um, I actually haven't even really like run ads for it, like Facebook ads or anything like that. But um, I, that's the next step in the journey. Um, I'm kind of just taking it day by day. It's become profitable, uh, which is super exciting. Because um, I started wearing blue light glasses when I started CRNA school because I was always on the computer. And I bought them from Amazon. And I was like, they're ugly. They're hideous. But I, <laughs> they worked. Yeah. And so there was a point where I was like, wait, hmm. I, it's funny, actually, I'm going to say this on, on air, too. I reached out to Warby Parker and a few other big brands. And I was like, mm-hmm. hey, I like your frames. Can you put blue light lenses in them? They're like, oh, no, there's no market in them for this. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Fast forward. Now, these have blue light glasses. So you, this was a couple of years ago. When you yes. Started when did you start this? Yeah. So I started the actual company July 2019. I started figuring out, like, something popped into my head to actually start it in 2017, end of 2017. I mean, just the whole concept of this, you're such an entrepreneur, a go-getter. I love that. I think it's such a, I don't know. It's like, I kind of, it's the whole she can be both moment. Okay. Let's go here really quick. Okay. So I actually really got into Reiki. So, but you're into sound bowls. So explain it's so, this is what I love about you because I really resonate with this, right? So you're in medical, you're in this super serious uh, side of your life where it's like, you know, it's literally life and death. And then you have this side of your life that is more like with the earth and holistic and amazing. And I love that. And I want to, so anyway, let's talk about your sound bowls. And All right. So sound bowls. Um, I saw an artist and she had just recently done this um, album about what with chakras and shambles and she used a lot of them in her um album and i was clicking through because instagram i find everything on instagram and so i was clicking through i was like oh this is the person that she got the sound bowls from and i just contacted them because it was right before covid and and i'm at this point in like my spiritual journey where i'm like i need i got the yoga i'm noticing everything that's happening around me and what i'm reading like it's happening and i'm here and i'm like okay i need to really i want to dig, dig deeper and so I've heard about like sound healing and the chakras and there's different tones and um, crystals. Like I've been carrying crystals for a while. Um, I carry them out, I wear them at work. Um, it also affects how I approach patients and talk to patients. And I, it's really funny. Um, yeah, so um, I was like, okay, I'm gonna buy some sound bowls. So I contact her and um, she's like, I wanna, FaceTime you. I'm like, okay. She's like, I've told my friends about you, and they're some of them are in the medical field, and they're like, they're really interested about you liking this stuff. Yeah, I think it is. It's kind of funny because I do think like 
we're not supposed to be into that the Eastern medicine or that Eastern mindset. Right. And I love that. But I mindset. love it. And there's a re we can get into it all day, but there's, um, it's, I've, it's so real for me and I feel it and see it in my daily life, especially when I look back at the things that I was doing and to end up at this point, like hot yoga and Bikram yoga and like aligning my chakras and you know, my crown chakra, and my root chakra, and my heart chakra, and all these things. I'm um, learning about a lot of this yes. as well, and, and I love it. I'm learning yeah. about the science behind it as well, and the mm-hmm. glands, and the thyroid, and where hormones they can, and, and the hormones. everything aligns yes. up. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you think about it, before Western medicine, this is what we had, you know? For thousands and thousands and thousands of years, this is what we had. To me, you can't neglect. I, Western medicine has honestly been around for, what, 200 years? MRIs came around in 1940 or 50. So I'm a big believer. In yeah, this. yeah. Yeah. So it's incorporated. I've incorporated it, um, you know, when I do my sound baths every day. I'm also about to get a freaking red light. And I'm just going to like test all this stuff. I you know, know the red light. <laughs> yeah. I'm obsessed. Okay. We, we, Jacob and I put red light in our bedroom and I love it. I, I think love I saw it. it. I think I saw it actually. I think yes, I, I, I swear by it. Like we, we, okay. We do still have an overhead light, but. Our bedroom lights, I'm like, the only reason you're in, in your bedroom really is to be sleeping and to wind down. And yeah, the red light, it's something to do with the way that your your body picks up the red light. It's like an indicator of like um, telling your body to kind of switch off. Yes, yeah, so it's kind of like red blue light, light therapy. Yeah. Correct. Like the Correct. glasses because those yes. decrease your serotonin and all that other stuff. So it's like, if we believe it to this extent, like, I don't want to, I don't like how we shun that side of medicine because it is medicine. Food is medicine. Um, so I'm a vegan. Um, that's another thing I do outside of here. Um, I live in a tiny house. <laughs> I just moved into a tiny I love house. That. That's so yeah, good. I love it. It's 270 that's square awesome. feet. Love that. Um, do you feel claustrophobic at all with it or no? No. So I have a loft. I think that makes a big difference is if you have like a lofted space. Yeah. Um, you guys can check out a mini tour on my YouTube. But hippie earth, like peace signs, she hugger up, chakra, you know. Anesthesia. Anesthesia. I, I think that's so cool. Like, I, I love that vibe. I think it's so important. And I think that's a really why I love you is because you're kind of marrying both, you know. And I think that's important. I think that's a, not a part. I think so many people are experiencing anxiety and all of these things and to me you you know there's only so much we can do really in western medicine you know we can we can draw your bmp we can tell you your electrolytes are normal we can tell you you're maybe a little low on your iron we can tell you that you know if you have a, an affirmative disease process we can you know diagnose things very well but there's this whole spectrum of medicine that we can't touch on really without getting into a different kind of level like acupuncture i'm a big believer in acupuncture i think acupuncture is amazing it's why does it work you know it's like like it works (laughs) it does it's but you know i think it's an understanding from us i think people really also want to know from a science point why it works and i think it's so interesting because it's starting we use acupuncture acupuncture therapy massage therapy is becoming a really big thing in our oncology units really a lot of, yep, it's becoming, it's actually a referral now. We have full-time people in the household now that are going around to you patients. You can get referred and, to the military for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. And 
you know, there's this whole spectrum of, I think, medicine that we don't tap into nearly enough. Right. Well, I'm going to call it, I'm going to call it a little industry or just people in general, Al. It's just like, we, people consume things that they have no idea how they work. But the minute you tell them that you do acupuncture and they don't know how it works, it's an issue. Like, I'm going to call that out. I hate that crap. Yeah, or, <laughs> or, you know, let's get to the root of it and maybe focus a little bit more on your diet. Let's focus on things that can really affect you, you know? I mean, like, what you eat literally affects your hormones. Everything. It affects everything. Your How your heart works, how your lungs and you work. you don't have to be a vegan, but no, you should be right, paying attention right. to stuff putting right. in your body. Well, Good point. I mean, Jacob and I, we're not, I wouldn't consider us, we're, um, we've come away from a lot of animal products and the way that we're cooking is definitely different. That's but, how I started, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not by any means full vegan, but I do think there's so much validity in understanding what you're consuming, how your body works holistically. How it processes it. Yes. And I think I want, that's where I'm like, I love going into this little realm of nurse practitioner where I'm getting my degree, focusing on the Western med, but I really think there's this value in the West, in the Eastern. Yes. So I'm hoping, you know, that's kind of where I think we need to marry it a little bit more. I think there's like I said earlier, collaboration. You can collaborate on everything if you really think about it. Yeah, medicine. And I think we're in the forefront of that. I think, I think this so. is where I love the well, social look. media part. Yeah. Like, look at us. Look yeah. at what's happening in the world. Like, there's no way you can continue keep to keep on doing the same thing because it was broken, clearly. We so. are, we are. I, I agree. And I think it's super interesting. That's the one part, and I talked about this in an episode I released, just saying that I do feel like because of this pandemic, people from around the world are, are literally becoming so collaborative and trying to fight this in the medical world. Uh, let's put mass media aside, but in the medical world, I feel like, and social media, I would never have met you. Never, if, ever, which is never, never, like, no, I agree. Yeah. And which and is I so, just, I met my recent best friends off of social media. Yeah, um, same. I've met and worked with, and some people I've never met. I mean, I've never met you, but I can't wait to. Same, but same, same, same. I, I just think that we have this cool, this new time where we're getting this. I'm like, let's cut it up with the times. Let's start collaborating as providers, right. practitioners. Let's start thinking outside the box. Let's help people in a new way. Because I do think, you know, our our population as a whole, like as much as we're going in a healthy direction, I still think we have a lot of work to do. Well, because there's a lot of pockets of society, though, that are kind of not really thought about, like the healthcare disparities. I do a lot of my doctoral, I did my doctoral work on healthcare disparities between um, races and African-Americans yeah. and, and whites. It's also very real. Um, yeah. It's such a real thing. Um, and there's finally science like being taken seriously about it. You know, Dr. Fauci uh, said it, you know. Um, but I think we need to start... Tr- I don't even like the word treating. Like we really need to holistically help people and get to like the underbelly of it all. You know, that's really where you see the change. And again, coronavirus has really shaken up a lot. There's God, like I feel for the people that are being impacted in this way wholeheartedly. Like I really feel that in my soul. I just got chills. Um, And on the same, same side, um, I just did an interview, like seeing life, and love through death um there's something that can be seen and taken from this right now and it's kind of like a a burning and a uh somewhat of a destruction but what do you do on the other side of this um i think is 
on everyone, really. Like, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get me started about the environment. <laughs> I love you. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, too, because especially I was raised a, a rancher, grower's daughter. And, you know, I see exactly, you know, where we're at. This is kind of like a bigger picture thing. But how, you know, growing in California is such a struggle because it's expensive and we have so many regular, I mean, there's so many things going on yeah. and not understanding between agriculture and I think, um, healthcare. Those are the two biggest it's things. It's so funny I you brought that, that up because I actually want to start a farm. <laughs> ah, I love that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yes. that's the goal of mine is to start a farm and, yeah. um, I think people are really getting into these ideas of like, let's go back to our roots. Like, yeah. Let's go back to, you know, and even in, um, I would say like labor and delivery, maternity, oh, yes, really I'm with you going on this. back. Yes. Like letting women labor in a different way, like let them do it more naturally. People are not going to like us for that, can. but I agree with you. Yeah, it just or encouraging women to stay out of the hostel for as long as you can. And then when you come in, you know, I mean, that's when you come in where I do think I've also seen a lot of validity in, you know, if you need the epidural, get it. So but there's this like push to more breastfeeding, there's push to which is more natural push to let women labor a different way there's a push um to getting you know just supporting women in that way in their and I way right because mm. everyone has their way i um like what works for me may not i want to deliver naturally like that's my personal like if and when i ever have a child um but i support people who want a freaking epidural like i i think yeah it's, it's well choice. that's another thing too is like let's educate women in a way in more of a way like okay here's your options here's like the here's the yeah more of education um yeah i think this is on the forefront but i'm really excited about that and i think it's so cool to have providers like you so um i mean since we're here do you have um suggestions or maybe like a word of advice to people who a future crna like you're speaking to your young 20 something or and they're looking to become what you're doing do you have a piece of advice for them i would say um focus on the things that impact you right now do what you are doing right now very very well have the crna degree in your mindset you know you put it on your vision board whatever that is yes you don't don't forget about it it's always going to be there but you need to focus on your learning right now understanding how you learn best right now um figuring out how to study for tests the best making your strategizing and making sure that your resume you're setting yourself up to look good when you hand that in are you volunteering are you taking an externship internship are you working are you a cna um what are you doing right now so that when you hand your resume in it looks it looks stacked you know that's what you fo focus on getting your good grades as best as you can now grades are not everything i want people to really also realize that i got into crna school with a 3.44 and I know people who got into CRNA school with a 3.1. So it's what you have to realize is that um, the entire application process is built around making sure that you are a person that can work with all different types of personalities, that you're teachable, the all things that I've been kind of talking about. That's how you get selected into CRNA school. You don't get selected into CRNA school because you have a 4.0 and that you volunteered 2,000 hours and you shadowed 2,000 hours. And, like, 
no one cares. Like, it's cool, great, good job. But what are you bringing to our profession? What we really value our profession. We have freaking phenomenal AANA, which is um, our association. We have awesome conferences. How do we make our profession better? What are we adding to med? Like, what are you actually going to bring? Can you be left alone in a room with the surgeon, the circulator? Are you going to be all frazzled? Are you going to have an attitude? Can you handle the person who has an attitude? So work on all those like personal things now and being a good human because that's going to shine through in your interview. That's going to shine through in your experiences that you put down on your personal essay. Um, that's what you focus on. Don't get bent out of shape about being a perfectionist and having the most of everything. Compete with yourself. Don't compete with anybody else. Those are, those, those are the things that you really should focus on as a nursing student or someone thinking about CRNA school. All right. Thank you so much, Aisha, for coming on today. So we have something really special for you guys. If you head over to shopuvia.com, that's S-H-O-P-U-V-E-A.com, Aisha will be offering you all 20% off with code NURSETORY. So head over and snag a pair for yourself. And thank you so much, you guys, for listening. I truly value your time and per usual, look forward to bringing you more selfie shows. This episode was loaded with so much information. So I have linked Aisha's website, YouTube, and shop and resources all below. So in order to support the show, please head over to rate and review the show. Let me know what you thought. I really want to hear from everybody. And I have some exciting news. So we have started with some small selfie swag. So if you leave your Insta handle in the review, we will be sending out some super cute stickers and a selfie badge reel featuring Selena, our selfie icon, once a month. So make sure to be following us on our Insta at C-E-L-L-F-I-E underscore podcast. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. You can find all of our episodes on www.tipsfromtory.com. And be sure to check out these show notes below. It has tons of information about our guests and sponsors. And thank you so much for listening. Catch you guys next time.